Well, good to see everybody again this morning. We're glad you're here with us as we are continuing our teaching series called Love Has One. Love Has One. Say that with me out loud on three. One, two, three. Love Has One. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Love Has One. Yes, and as we think about what it is that we're talking about, what it is we've been doing, we've been journeying through the Gospel of John this whole ministry year, but specifically in this teaching series, what we've been doing is focusing on Jesus' time on earth right before he was crucified, and then we're going to get to the part where he's crucified and he's buried and then resurrects from the dead. But we specifically have been focused on John 13 through 17, which really is Jesus' last words with his disciples before his crucifixion. It's his legacy of love that he gives to them. It's his commencement speech, as it's been referred to by our good friend, Rich McDaniel. These are things that Jesus spoke to his disciples about that are so key for us to understand how love has one. What does that mean in our own lives, to understand the way of love, who is Jesus? So as we begin our time together this morning, I want to ask you this question. Who was the last person you had to say goodbye to that caused you grief, that caused you to grief? Who's, who's that last person you had to say goodbye to? Now, this may be because you had to say goodbye because they live in another state, another country. You know, that kind of goodbye, those are always hard. Those are sad. Those are difficult. You know, every time I say goodbye to my mom or my dad in the Atlanta area, I always am taken back to that first time when I left to do what it is that God's called me to do here. And, and not forgetting the joy that's waiting me here in Pennsylvania, you as part of that joy, as well as my family, because oftentimes it's me going down to visit and connect and sometimes they're able to come along as well. But it's those types of things that can cause grief. You know, I think about the kind of grief when people move out of the area, you've shared life with them and all of a sudden they're in a different place, a different state or a different part of the, 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 the state that you live in. You know, those types of griefs are real. And then I think about the grief of, of death and saying goodbye in that type of way to people that mean so much to us. You know, I think about uh, when Ray, who's Amy's father, passed away in 2011, how that changed so much of the dynamic for our family. You know, this was a month after Amy turns 30 and her dad passes away. And it was sudden, it was unexpected. And man, that type of grief you feel it in deep, deep ways. There's a sadness that overtakes you. There's a grieving that you're not prepared for, if, especially if you've never experienced death. It's just this type of emotion that in time doesn't necessarily go away. It just becomes a little different. It just, the dynamic is different. And yet there's this confidence of knowing who Ray was and, and his trust in Jesus and, and how his legacy of love continues to lead out in his family. And so all those things are, are true, and yet it's still sad. It's still painful. It's still hard. It's still difficult. And as we get to where we're going today, I want us to see that Jesus himself was going to say goodbye. And the goodbye of Jesus would cause grief and bring about a gift. So the goodbye that Jesus is giving to his disciples is going to cause this great grief, but there's a gift that's going to come as a result of his goodbye. And it's actually the, the gift that we're celebrating today in the church calendar. It's Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday marks what Jesus would tell his disciples would happen. And we're going to read about that the Holy Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit would come. And as he would come, 
He would lead them. He would guide them. He would counsel them. He would comfort them. He would speak through them. He would take these people who were cowardly and see through his work in their lives, them becoming very, very courageous, willing to suffer for Jesus and to lose their lives for the sake of Jesus. And so we, we see this happening throughout John 13 through 17, but specifically as we continue to journey through John 16 today, we're going to see how this plays out in the life of Jesus. But I want you to have in your mind the idea of goodbyes. I want you to think about what you feel when you have to say goodbye to somebody that means so much to you. I want you to put yourself in the position of those disciples as they're hearing these words, as they're considering again what it is that Jesus is communicating to them, what it meant for them as Jesus would inevitably be crucified on a cross. These men who had given their lives to Jesus to follow him, to come after him, how they would receive this information, this news. I think it's really important because it will impact the way that we view this passage in particular. So with that said, I want to invite you to open up to John 16. We have the verses on the screen. We also have free copies of the Bible for you in the hallway. You can follow along in the Riverbend app as well. It's our hope and our desire that you do have a copy of the Bible. So if you don't have a copy, we want to give you a free copy. We want to make sure that you're able to have a copy of God's word. So listen to what it says here. John 16, starting in verse four, it says this. It says, yes, I am telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little longer. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with, what's the word here? You are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your what? What's the word here? It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so when you hear this, you got to imagine for the disciples, they're like, all right, so you're telling us your time's coming to an end here on earth. You're, you're telling us that that truth is coming. And he says, hey, you're not asking me where I'm going because you're struck with grief, right? When you love somebody and they're saying goodbye, that is the proper response, right? If you weren't marked with sadness or moved with sadness as you're saying goodbye, that means some, so much to you, to somebody in your life, whether it's they're moving or change of, of address or they, they've lost their lives. Any of those types of things, any of those types of griefs, those are, are very uh, real things that happen in our lives. And the right response, the human response is sadness. It's grief. It's grief. It's to say, wow, you're, you're leaving. And so Jesus is just acknowledging, hey, you're marked by grief. You're not asking me where I'm going because you're filled with this sadness. You're filled with this grief. But then he says, it is for your good. And can you imagine if someone said that to you? Like they're saying goodbye to you. You know, it's for your good that I'm going away, right? It's, it's, it's for your good. It's for, it's for your, the best that I, I move away. You know, it's for your, you know, for us, we're like, that doesn't make any sense. But Jesus knew what was to come. Jesus knew that the Holy Spirit was to come. And this word advocate is used here. And I love this idea, this picture that you see 
throughout this passage because you see that Jesus is saying, I have to lay my life down and I'm going to do so willingly. And as I'm going back to the one who sent me, God the Father, then I'm going to send to you the one, it's called the advocate, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit. And I love how there's this harmonious relationship of serving one another in the Godhead, the Trinity. They're looking to serve the other, submit to the other, to elevate the other. And we're invited into that type of relationship because of what Jesus has done for us. And I think about the sacrifice that Christ himself would do for us. And I'm reminded, even as we're here in this Memorial Day weekend, of the many who have laid down their lives for us. And because they've been willing to do that, that cost them a great expense. There's benefits that we have as a result of that. And we don't want to miss that. We don't want to lose sight of that. And in a a greater way, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm laying my life down and I'm going to die and then I'm going to be buried and then I'm going to rise from the dead and then I'm going to ascend to heaven and be at the right hand of the Father. And it's for your benefit because that means the advocate will come to you. The advocate. And we need the advocate. We were created. If we're going to live out this way of life in Jesus, we cannot do it in our own power. And this is all throughout the scripture. But we're reminded all throughout the New Testament, specifically in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, the power of the Spirit to do the work that only he can do in us and work in our lives, through our lives, and around our lives. But we are a part of what he's doing. That the fact that we're going to experience the advocate in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit, is a picture of what we're invited into as a church as people who belong to Jesus. We are the instrument of the Holy Spirit at work. We are called friends of God because of what the Spirit would do for us. And I want to encourage you, if you have not been following along with the Riverbend blog, the Holy Spirit series that they've done is so helpful even to further understand what it is that the Holy Spirit does, who he is, and what he's about. But Jesus is going to go on to unpack a bit of who the Holy Spirit is. Is It says this, when he comes, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And so Jesus makes it really clear, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be for your good, but he's going to come and he's going to prove the world wrong. And when he talks about the world, he's not talking about just somebody else. He's talking about the human race. He's talking about you and he's talking about me that we've gotten it wrong about these things. And he goes on to say this. He says, again, be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And so as you think about what Jesus is saying, he's saying the Holy Spirit is going to prove something to people. He's going to prove something to people. He's going to convince them or convict them of the reality of their condition before a holy and a righteous God and their need for what only he can give to them. The fact that, as we've said throughout this teaching series, that you and I are not the standard, but ultimately Jesus is the standard. But for the people in that day and age and in our day and age, We often 
look at ourselves as I'm not sinful. I don't miss the mark. I don't miss God's perfect standard. But rather we say, I am the standard. And oftentimes when we're asked the question, how good is good enough? And how do you know that you haven't missed the standard? We can't give a real answer about that. Because the truth of the matter is we all have missed the standard. We are in need of a savior because we are spiritually dead and we need to be brought back to spiritual life. And so he says they've gotten it wrong about sin. They've gotten it wrong about judgment. The Holy Spirit's going to prove that and judgment about who Jesus was and what he came to do. And the Holy Spirit does that in our lives as well because some of us would say he's not really the savior of the world. He's just a great teacher, a great moral guide. Some of us would say he's one of many. Some of us would say, I don't need a savior because I am my own savior. I'm gonna work my way to God's goodness or I'm going to, in my own way, create a religion in a way that makes me have peace, even though it's short-lived and cannot withstand the realities of life. And so the Holy Spirit is sent to prove these things to us. Again, about sin and about righteousness and about judgment, and judgment, the fact that as we think about what Christ has done for us, that ultimately the enemy, our great enemy, who's called the father of lies, a murderer from the beginning, his name is called Lucifer, Satan, the devil. He's used, all kinds of names are used to describe him. The verdict is already in. He's been defeated because of what Jesus has done through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. The prince of this age, the prince of the air has been defeated. And he hasn't served his sentence yet, but he's going to serve his sentence when Jesus returns. And that's good news for us that's meant to cause great joy for all people. But the Holy Spirit, again, he's proven us wrong, the world wrong, again, about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so as you think about this, as you consider this in your life, where are you with this? Because the Holy Spirit's at work and he wants us to come to agreement with the reality and the truth of our condition and the way that the world is truly in the way it's intended to be. Because it's easy to make our own version of reality, but there's only one true reality. And it's easy to create our own story and our own narrative when the Holy Spirit is saying to us, Listen, there's a way of life that is for your benefit, that's for your good. But here's the deal. The church, you, me, those who are in Christ, we're meant to be vehicles that declare, that declare to others in word and deed, first, the love of Jesus, to demonstrate it, to show who this Christ is, but then to tell who this Jesus is to others. The Holy Spirit uses us to bear witness to others about who this Jesus is and about their need and where we've gotten it wrong. And we've all gotten it wrong. That's the point of what Jesus is getting at. And the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. Good news for you. You don't have to do the convicting. Amen. That's good. That's freeing. I don't have to convict anybody. That's not my job. My job is to love and serve and to bear witness to who this Jesus is in my life and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. I was reminded even of that this week as I was in a conversation with a couple different people. Uh, one was at TikTok Diner in Easton. 
You guys ever been to TikTok Diner in Easton? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, TikTok Diner, I was there meeting our church planning resident, and we were going to do some prayer walking afterwards in Easton. And we had this waitress named Nancy, and Nancy was doing a great job, and we were in a conversation with Nancy, and as we were talking to Nancy, it was really clear that Nancy had lived a very hard life, very hard life. And so as she was talking about her own life and her own story, she was talking about how the world that she, we're living in causes so much fear and anxiety and confusion for her. She's like, I'm on news like nonstop. And she's like, I don't watch cable news. I just watch it on YouTube. I was like, that's even worse, I think. You know, like, I think, ew, you know, like that's not gonna help your own peace of mind, right? To have that input all the time. And so we started to talk more about her life and her story. And, and we came around to who this Jesus is. And as we started talking about who this Jesus is, we just were able to, to tell her about what he says of her and what he's done for her. And has she yet to receive who Jesus is through his life, death, burial, and resurrection? And, and my friend Wilson just said to her, I want you to know you're not alone in what you're facing. There is a God who loves you deeply. He is called our friend. He wants to befriend you. He's inviting you into that. And as we bear witness to that, what it does is it allows us to participate in kingdom advancement to what God's doing. And so as we were wrapping up with Nancy and we were told her, hey, we're going to be praying for you. She was like, man, that means so much to me. That means so much to me. And I don't know what will come of that, but here's what I do know. I know that God is at work and he uses his people to be the conduits to display who he is in word and deed. And first, we've got to come to grips with where we've gotten it wrong. Because just because we grow up in the church or we're part of the church doesn't mean we've always got it right. That's the beautiful part of the Holy Spirit in journeying with him. Because he wants to show us where there is misalignment. Because in our lives, the further you get along with Christ, the more mature you become in Jesus, the more aware you are when you get it wrong. It's not the less, the more you get aware. You're aware of it more easily. You're like, oh man, I'm off base here with what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, what I'm giving myself to. And so as we think about that, here's, a, here's something for us to consider. Why aren't you willing to admit you've got it wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment? Why aren't you willing? Why am I not willing? What is it in us that says I'm unwilling to do that? I'm unwilling to do that before God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, to admit, hey, I've got it wrong here. Is it because I think I'm the standard? Is it because I don't want to look weak? Is it because I have really bad experiences with the church? Why is it for you that you're unwilling to admit it? And again, the further you get into it, if you're truly following Jesus, if you're walking in the way of Christ, the more evident it becomes to you where you're off base. Because it's tempting to be like, okay, we're in this Christian subculture, we're doing church, we're doing all the things that look like church, all the trappings, but if we don't have the heart and mind of Christ constantly growing and changing within who we are through his finished work and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are missing what it is we're invited into. We are missing it. Because there are times in my life where I'm off base and I've got to admit, hey, I'm, I'm wrong. Confessing, confessing to God. 
and then confessing to others. And one of the byproducts of this is we come boldly and confidently because of the finished work of Christ on our behalf and because of our right standing with God the Father and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we confess it. But we don't confess because we're afraid we're gonna lose something. We're confessing because we wanna strengthen that connection with our Heavenly Father. It's already been decided. It's already been given to us in Jesus. And the byproduct of that, not only is in that relationship, but my relationships with others. So when I'm off base with my wife, with my wife Amy, I want the Holy Spirit to speak. And thankfully, God often will use my wife to be an instrument of the Holy Spirit, right? Like a second Holy Spirit, if you would. Yes, amen, amen, you know. And she will bring something to my attention, kindly, calmly, something I need to hear, something I can't see, oftentimes. And the more I think about what she's saying and I pray about it, I'm like, wow, there is something to what she is communicating. Even if I don't fully agree, there is something there. But when the spirits at work with us, we want to make it right with others. That doesn't mean we're always going to agree. That doesn't mean we're always going to see eye to eye on on everything that we're talking about, but we're gonna let the spirit have his way in our lives. We're gonna say the priority is relationship with God and people. And again, I'm going to get to the point where in humility and submission to God's work and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to admit where I've got it wrong. Which brings us to this part of this. See, the advocate reveals where there is misalignment to the truth. See, the advocate, that's what his job is. He wants to counsel us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to give us the words to communicate when it's time to speak. When we don't have the words, the Holy Spirit shows up and gives us the words. As we're meditating on the scripture, and this is something I want to encourage you to think about, that as you meditate on the scripture and you allow the scripture to be more than just another book, but actually the word of God in your hands, speaking to you and personalizing what those truths are. God will use the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, the, again, the scriptures in the spirit to reveal where there's misalignment and also to help you to have the wisdom to know what to speak. And when the moment comes, he'll give you the words. But misalignment happens all the time. It happens in our cars all the time, right? Right? Like it does, right? You're like, man, something's driving funny. There's, this, there's this, uh, a check engine light or, or something comes up all about the tires, you know? And you can go for a while with it being like that. But you know, long-term, it's not good for your car, right? We know that, right? There's, there's such thing as preventative maintenance and then there's emergency maintenance. The Holy Spirit wants to do preventative maintenance in our lives. Where is there misalignment? Where is the check engine light coming on? Where is there something that we need to address with him and let the advocate have work, his way in our lives and go to work in us and through us? Because he's inviting us into this. And this is such, this is such freedom for us to understand that there is a way of life that we were intended and created for. And he wants to lead us to those things. He wants to show us where there's misalignment. Because when you come to Jesus, by the way, you brought in a life before you came to Christ. And not only did you bring in a life before you came to Christ, but you live in a broken world and you do have a broken body. And yes, it's being changed day by day. It's being sanctified, but we're forever in process. And the good news in Christ 
is that we don't have to act like we don't need an alignment. We don't need an adjustment. The advocate's job is to do that in us and through us. It's for our good, Jesus said, that I would go. This is part of the good of what he's doing in us. Well, Jesus continues on here, and he says this. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the what? What's the word here? He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I, I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And I want you to just hear this beautiful dance that's going on here. He's saying, hey, listen, everything that I've said, everything that I've done, I heard from my heavenly Father. And I did that. And now when I leave and I send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's only going to say and do what I've told him to say and do. He's walking in perfect harmony and unity with me. It's beautiful to think about. And the spirit of truth, when he comes, he's going to guide you into all the truth. He's going to guide you into all the truth. And we, we need this because truth is what sets us free. It's the truth that's found in Jesus and his ways. When we take on the way of Jesus, not just knowing stuff, but allowing it to change us from the inside out, where information leads to formation, that leads to transformation, and that leads to multiplication, that's when we walk in the freedom that we were designed and created for. And he says, he's going to tell you the things that are, are yet to come. He's going to reveal things to you. And he's going to do this to glorify not himself, but me, Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal the world their need for what Jesus has come to do, in part, but also to make much of Jesus in us, through us, and around us. But then the other side of this is that we would continue to discern what the voice of God is and what it is that he is saying for us so that we could walk in the truth, so that we could understand what his will and his ways and good pleasure is in our lives. What is he up to? Because Ephesians 5 makes it clear. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to make the most of our days here on earth because he, he says very clearly, the days are evil. So be wise and know the will of God. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we go from just a conversation of talking Round and round and round about the will of God. I don't know the will of God. Do you know the will of God? Like, let's hold up this piece of paper. Is it revealing the will of God? You know, let's, uh, you know, maybe if this is in order, then it's the will of God. No, no, no. The will of God is revealed as we surrender to the Spirit's leadership and what the Scriptures say to us. The Spirit at work in us. And He uses His people. And there's a lot of freedom that He gives us. But we want to stay in step with the Spirit's work and activity in our lives. Again, that is why I said the Spirit will, will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the Spirit is revealing to us, again, what Jesus has made known to him. Because our life with Jesus, the way of life with Christ, it can't happen apart from him. It cannot happen apart from 
the Spirit. But the Spirit, again, is only sharing and showing what Jesus himself has revealed to him. So as we continue on here, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth who brings us to the truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth who brings us to the truth. And I want you to be thinking about this because we live in a world right now where we can really create other versions of reality, but they're really unreality. And the Holy Spirit helps us to cut through all of that to say, hey, what is the truth? What is the truth? And that doesn't mean that people don't have experiences and reasons for where they've landed. We wanna have empathy. We wanna understand, but we don't wanna lose sight of what the Holy Spirit is saying and what the truth is here. Because truth is not a weapon that we use to cut and slice people <laughs> with. The truth is a gift that God gives us so that we're free and so that we help others to step into freedom. We want to see people freed. We want to see them delivered. We want to see them experience the life that God himself has given to each and every one of us and what we were created for as we're image bearers of God. But that only happens when we let the Holy Spirit do his job. Again, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth who brings us to the truth. But the next part of this is a question for us to think about. Whose version of the truth are you walking in? Whose version of the truth are you walking in? Because I think for all of us, if we're honest, we all have a version of the truth that we have created. There are ways in which we see the world based off experiences, expectations, things that we think should be, and they may or may not be the truth. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, right? I know there are times where I have been wrong on things that I thought, for sure, this is the right way. This is the only way. But the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to me, hey, these are the things that you've created that aren't fully my truth. And so again, whose version of the truth are you walking into? Are you walking in to the culture's version of the truth, Christian subculture, a podcaster, a great teacher, communicator, someone who is very clever with speech and words, and you're like, oh man, there's something about what he said and, or she said, and I, I like it, but you're not testing it. We have to test it. And does it lift up Jesus? This is what John would say in 1 John. We're to test the spirit to see if it is the truth because not all spirits are true spirits. We need to test it. And the way we test it, again, is based off Scripture and by the power of the Spirit. And does it lift up the Son, Jesus? Does it say that Jesus came, that he died, and that he rose again? Does it lift him up? Does it see him for who he is? Because, again, we can say, my version of the truth is whatever I'm comfortable with. Comfort. comfort. Oh, yeah, that's my truth. If I'm uncomfortable, it can't possibly be true. What? What? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. God's activity is forever changing our character. And he gets us into those moments and those situations where we are dependent upon what only the Holy Spirit can give us. So again, whose version of the truth are you walking in? And then the next part of this is that the advocate brings us into alignment with the truth. He brings us into alignment. Just like when we take our, our car to the mechanic and they make sure things are aligned and they are the way that they should be. So the Holy Spirit wants to bring us in alignment to the truth. Now, here's the thing, though. 
while he has a role, we have a role. That is that we have to respond. Some of us continue to quelch and squelch the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We continue to ignore it. We continue to blame it on like bad Taco Bell. We continue to, we continue to blame it on something or something else that possibly couldn't be right because it contradicts some values that you may have and hold on to. And the more that we run away from it, the more that we ignore it, the more that we push it down, the harder our hearts become. And that doesn't mean God can't still work, but the voice of the Spirit becomes harder and harder for us to hear and discern. And so I want to encourage you to, to be responsive, to say, Holy Spirit, I want your will and your way in my life. I want to surrender. I don't want to ignore. And sometimes what he's asking you to do is to go talk to somebody, not just to share the gospel with, that's part of it, but sometimes we actually need help with something that we're struggling with, we're battling with, we're losing in, where, man, we are not experiencing victory. And it takes courage. And the Holy Spirit gives us the courage. We don't have to pretend anymore. We don't have to act like everything's good. We don't have to act like we're not struggling with depression or that we're not anxious. We can be honest with those things. And we can come to the right people by the power of the Spirit. But we have to be willing. We have to be willing to bring our lives into alignment with what he's saying. And this is why I want to encourage you to come open-handed, to come fully surrendered, to come diving into the scripture and letting the spirit have his way in your life, to allow him to lead you and to direct you and to guide you and to comfort you. One of my good friends who's a mentor of mine, his name is John Cope, he does this practice and he's been doing this at his church for many, many years. Uh, but one of the practices that, that he does is he encourages people so that they don't just take the scripture as just another textbook, but rather a work and word of God through the power of the spirit in their lives, that it's personalized and that it has meaning and significance for their everyday situations. And so he gives them this statement. And it's just this, it says, Holy Spirit, with your help and based on the truth found in whatever passage you're reading, whatever the passage of scripture it is, I will, I will do whatever it is he's asking you to do, right? Whatever the Holy Spirit's asking you to do. Because what we want to do is, is we don't want to just read the scripture as some depersonalized textbook, but rather the word of God who took on flesh and dwelt among us. We want the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives. And part of the way that we do that is to open our our hands and our heart to the Lord and surrender. And to say, when I read this, I'm not just reading it for somebody else. I'm not just reading for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's true. But you know what else is true? For God so loved the world, for God so loved me, for God so loved Joe, for God so loved Matt, for God so loved Aaron, for God so loved Stephanie, for God so loved you fill in the blank. You put your name in there. It becomes real. Hey, it becomes like just more than just this thing out here in the nebulous. And no, wait, this is for me. What are you saying to me? And there are other challenging texts when we're called, hey, be slow to speak, quick to listen, 
Because the anger of man, the anger of humanity does not produce the righteousness of God. How do I personalize that? And then how do I, based off what it is I'm reading, find what the Holy Spirit is asking me to do? So what I want to encourage you to do, I want to encourage you even to go through this text or maybe a passage in the Gospel of John that we've been in over these last couple weeks and just read through it slowly. Start to personalize it. And then to be quiet and to be still and say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me to do with this? And then I want you to write it down. And I want to encourage you, I know Pastor Chris will not like what I'm about to say next because he's a, a digital guy. But I want to encourage you to grab like a notebook, a hard copy of the Bible, so that you don't get distracted by email, text message, whatever's going to come your way. Right? A Facebook notification, a TikTok celebrity, it's new, real, whatever. I want you to be able to focus in because we need his, his leadership in our lives. We need our, his leadership. And now I want to say to you, many of us are in a life stage where a lot of time given to something like this is difficult to come by. So may I just encourage you to do what you can do, but do it in a consistent basis. So if you can only do two minutes, do two minutes. If you can do four minutes, great. If you can do six, better. Great. It's great. What can you do? And if you're open and available, what can the Spirit do in you and through you and around you? So this is to help us <clears throat> to move it from here to here to here. We want to join the Spirit in His work and His activity in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you. We thank you for your love and your leadership. And we, Holy Spirit, want to invite you into our lives. We want to invite you uh, to have your way in us. So we submit and we surrender and we want your will. We're thankful, Holy Spirit, that you've come. We thank, we're thankful that in Christ Jesus, those who belong to you, from the youngest to the oldest, if they are in you, the, the Holy Spirit, that you fill us. And I thank you. I thank you that you're not waiting for us to become a certain version in order to come into our lives but rather the version that says yes to Jesus and surrenders fully. Holy Spirit, we want you to work in our lives. We want to stay in step with you. We are so grateful for what a gift you are, that you're called the advocate, our guide, our comforter, and our counselor. Lord, I know many of us, we need wisdom on things about jobs and schooling, finances, relationships, things you're asking us to do. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you don't leave us alone. We're not orphaned to figure it out on our own. And so, Lord, I just pray for every person here who's hearing this and who's yet to begin a relationship with you, God, through Jesus. I pray that today would be the day that they do and that they would put their trust in you to experience this way of life that you've called them to. We love you, Jesus, and we trust you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.